All right, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Be in prayer, if you would, about the uh, Christmas concert tonight. I'm sure we'll have quite a few visitors with us. Uh, we haven't been able to have a Christmas concert for two years. Uh, last, last year, uh, of course, there was, uh, there was uh, COVID. The year before, it, there was COVID, but we, we didn't have it. <laughs> we, were, we were in between, I guess, COVID bouts or whatever as a church. And uh, uh, so this is, it's, it's been two years since we have had a Christmas concert. So I look, I look forward to it. Uh, I listened to many of the songs that were sung uh, in practice yesterday, and it was a real blessing. Just uh, it should be very, very good music and uh, scripture readings and just a... Uh, just a good evening, but pray particularly for those that will be coming that do not know Christ as Savior. We've got a we had a uh, advertisement going out on Facebook uh, so that uh, folks would be aware of of the uh, concert, and we had quite a few quite a few responses to it that went to the webpage and so forth. So uh, be in prayer for them if you would. Let's all stand together. Second Corinthians chapter five. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you, if you would. Verses 9 through 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 15. Verse 9 says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one uh, may receive the things done in his body according to to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them, which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God." Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be in church, the freedom that we have to be able to worship the way that we do. And Lord, uh, we do pray, Lord, that you'd put uh, and focus our hearts and minds on what thus saith the Lord this morning. And we pray, Lord, that you would, by your spirit, speak to our hearts. Give me the, the understanding, the wisdom, the clearness of mind, the power that uh, I don't have in and of myself, but you have. And Lord, I depend upon you. Without you, I can't preach. Without you, I can do absolutely nothing. And I'm thankful for the dependence that, uh, that we have upon our Savior. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just take your word and speak to hearts this morning. May you get the honor and the glory that you so richly deserve through this service. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. 
2 Corinthians 5, particularly down in verses 14 and 15, says, say, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that, that they which should live uh, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Um, it makes it real clear that there's really only two kinds of Christians. There's, there's those who live unto themselves, and there's those that live unto Christ. And, and uh, it, 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 uh, it makes a real difference as to which way you go. Every, every Christian will fall into one of those two categories. They'll either be one that, that lives for him or they live for themselves. If we live for ourselves, there's some certain characteristics that we have a tendency to display when we do so. And I found something here. I found this years ago, and I dug it back up again. Uh, these, are, these are just some characteristics, and they come out of Scripture, of, of uh, people that live the self-life. In other words, they've saved, but they don't live for Christ. They live for self. Okay, here's some of the characteristics. An exalted feeling because of success, accomplishment, position, good training and experience, gifts or abilities. A lack of submission in an area in your life to God because you think you have a better plan. We look at ourselves as the exception or as being exempt. Uh, love of human praise, needed for approval. Uh, a, a secret desire to be noticed and appreciated, uh, drawing attention to self in conversation, a, a good feeling when you have had a special door open for service, speaking or praying, stirrings of anger or an impatient spirit, calling uh, such feeling nervousness or righteous indignation. I've been there. Uh, a, a touchy, sensitive Defensive spirit, uh, easily hurt, disappointed, or offended. Uh, thin skin in our attitudes. A, a disposition to resent and retaliate when disapproved of or contradicted. A desire to throw insulting, degrading, heated remarks at others. Self-will, a stubborn, unteachable spirit. Uh, an arguing, talkative spirit, harsh, sarcastic expressions, an unyielding, headstrong disposition, a driving, commanding spirit, a, a critical attitude of others when, you, when not treated in a manner that uh, you think that you deserve, a disposition that loves to be coaxed or loves to be humored, uh, fearing what others may think of me and do to me instead of what God thinks, being more people conscious than we are, than we are Christ conscious. And that's, that's uh, one who lives unto themselves. Avoiding any kind of, of reproach, reasoning around your cross, a uh, reluctance to witness to those who might be froward or, or of some prominence, a compromising spirit, a jealous disposition, secret envy in your heart, failure to, to uh, be able to rejoice in the successes and prosperity of some people, quick to find faults 
and failings in, in some while ignoring your gifts, virtues, and accomplishments because they do a better job than you and you are not properly appreciated. A dishonest and deceitful disposition. Uh, the evading and covering of the truth, covering your own faults. Uh, leaving a better impression of yourself than what is really true. Exaggerating the truth and false humility. Un unbelief. A, a spirit of discouragement when under pressure and or opposition. Lack of quietness and confidence in God. Lack of faith and trust in God. A disposition of worry and complaining when in the middle of trouble. Overly concerned about things that we have no power over. Form, uh, formality, deadness, uh, a lack of compassion and concern for lost souls. Dryness and indifference in our spirit, a lack of power with God, selfishness, love of ease, love of money, love of your own time, lovers of pleasure, as the Bible says, more than lovers of God. Now, what, what is it that makes the difference? You know, what, what causes one Christian to uh, live for themselves and another Christian to live for Christ. Well, I think, I think the answer is found in verse 14. It says in verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. It says the love of Christ constraineth us. Now, when it says the love of Christ, I believe that phrase has a, is kind of a two-edged sword. It has two meanings to it. Um, one is his love toward us the love of Christ that Christ has toward us. And then secondly, it's the love of Christ that we have toward him. Why do we have the love that we have toward him? Well, it's because he loved, we love him because he first loved us. And because he loved us first, we, we reciprocate that love. But when, when love does not, when that love of Christ does not motivate us, then, uh, then we become self-centered rather than, rather than Christ-centered. And, and uh, uh, comprehension of the love of Christ, just how much he loves us and how much we ought to love him back, makes all the difference in the Christian life. And it ought to be the driving forth, force, uh, force that is in our life. Uh, it says, the love of Christ constraineth us. Constrain means to urge with irresistible power. In other words, it, it has a tug, it has a pull on us that causes us to do the things that we do. And there's three ways, according to this passage, there's three ways that the love of Christ was manifested to us. How, how Christ showed his love toward us. First of all, look in verses 14 and 15 again. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. First of all, it says that he died for all. He, he did not pick and choose. He died for all mankind. For God so loved the world, the entire world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the conclusion is, is just simply this. 
If, if he died for all, if he, if he died for all, that includes me. And if he died for me and he loved me enough to die for me, his love should cause me to live for him and not for myself. One of the, one of the things that Christmas time uh, always reminds me of is, is the fact that willingly God left heaven and took on human flesh. Uh, the Bible says that Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily and that uh, he left heaven, came down here and was born of a virgin, born of a woman. That's significant uh, for lots of reasons. And one of them is, is that the, the sin nature is passed on from the man and he did not have a sin nature. Uh, he had absolutely no desire to sin. He was total God. He was total man, both at the same time. And uh, he, he chose to do that. He chose to come down here. He chose to inconvenience himself. Uh, he, chose to, he chose to feel tired. He, in heaven, he never felt that. He chose to, to uh, have to live with those like you and I. Uh, and put up with the frustrations that that he went through. Um, I, I'm sure there were I'm sure there were many. Uh, he he, um, he he did all of that because he loved us. And of course, in the final the final supreme act of sacrifice when he when he laid himself down. We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. Uh, no one had to hold Christ's feet. No one had to push him down to the cross. No one had to hold his hand so the spikes could go through it. No one had to hold his head when they put the crown of thorns upon it. Uh, he did all of that willingly. He did all of that because he loved us. And, and uh, that kind of love, I mean, the, more, the more you think about it, the more, uh, honestly, I, I've never been able to totally wrap myself around that kind of love. Uh, but... I'm thankful for it. And it's that love that ought to constrain us to, to live for him. He loved us so much that he totally inconvenienced himself, left heaven, came down here, and 30, 33 years later was, uh, uh, died on the cross and died as a sacrifice for our sin. And the, the second thing, not only did he die for all, but look down at verses 18 and 19 of uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Uh, it, it was it was. Christ and his and his his, his self sacrifice for our sins that uh, caused us to be reconciled to God. If you're saved this morning, you're saved because Jesus Christ made peace between you and God the Father. Uh, before that, our sin was a barrier, but when 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 you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, he forgave all your sins, he gave you eternal life, and he reconciled you to God. Uh, he did so by turning you from being an enemy, according to Romans chapter 5, 
to being a friend of God. Uh, take your Bibles and, and turn to Romans 5 for just a moment, if you would. Keep your finger here in 2 Corinthians. We'll be back to it, but go to Romans 5. Romans chapter 5 and verses 6 down through 11. Verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his, of his son. Much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And not only did he, did he remove that wall of enmity, but he also gave us joy and he gave us happiness and he gave us peace in our hearts. Uh, down in verses 12, down through 21. He continues with that thought. And he says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them, that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many." And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin, all, sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, one, one person got us into trouble, that was Adam. One person got us out of trouble, that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the conclusion is, is that if, if he reconciled us, we should have a desire to minister to others to, to get them reconciled to God. And again, it's because it's the love of Christ which constrains us and causes us to want to be a, a, a to involve ourselves in that ministry of reconciliation. 
And then if you go back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the, the, the third thing, the third way that Christ manifested his love was, first of all, he died for all. Second of all, he reconciled us to God. And then thirdly, he became our sin so we could get the blessings of his righteousness. Look in verses 20 and 21. And the verses that I'm about to read to you, I, I know what they say. I believe them. Do I understand it? No. <laughs> I've, I've tried. I, I, can't, I can't wrap around this, but look what it says. Verse 20 and 21. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now understand, he never sinned a day in his life. Uh, he never committed sin. And he never even thought about sinning. But the Bible says that God made him sin for us. He took on the embodiment of, of, of sin. He became our sin and, and died on that cross and took the punishment for that sin, took the wrath. I believe that's what he was speaking of when he went to the garden and he said, uh, Lord, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking about the cross. He wasn't talking about the cross. He was talking about the, the, the wrath of God that was going to be poured out upon him, the, the, the breaking of the relationship between him, him and the Father because of sin. And because he became, he, he became the literal payment for our sin. And, and so when you, when you start to understand that and you start to see what, to what lengths Jesus Christ went for you and for me, uh, because he became our sin, we should be willing to be his ambassadors. Uh, he, he endured uh, great suffering. And he endured great sorrow, uh, inconvenience at the, at the least, but great sorrow and great suffering. And he did that because he loved us. And that's why the Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. The more we understand about the price that he paid, the more that we understand what he did for us, the, the, the more we are constrained to want to live for him and not for ourselves. Um, go, go with me to the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to read with me verses 1 through 10. And I'm not, I'm not adding scripture, adding to scripture, but I'm going to add a phrase at the end of, uh, of each of the, of, of the verses because I believe this is what what motivated the Apostle Paul to do and to say the things that he said in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 1 through 10. It says, We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain, because the love of Christ constraineth us. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, because the love of Christ constraineth us. 
But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, because the love of Christ constraineth us, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Paul went through all of those things. Why? Because the love of Christ constraineth us. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, because the love of Christ constraineth us. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, because the love of Christ constraineth us. As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as chastened and not killed, because the love of Christ constraineth us. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, always rejoicing, as, as poor, yet making many rich, and having nothing, and yet possessing all things, because the love of Christ constraineth us. I, I, this is not a, a long message this morning, but I close with this thought. What is it that, what is it that motivates you? What is it that causes you to do the things that you do? And which category are you in? Are, are you a person who lives unto themselves? And according to the things that I read, you may, have, you may have found yourself in some of those descriptions. Are you a person that lives unto, unto himself or are you a person that lives for Jesus Christ? What in the world makes the difference between those two lifestyles? One thing, the love of Christ constraineth us. What motivates you? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask that you help us to be honest and forthright in our hearts this morning and look and see what, what, what really is it that makes us tick. First of all, what side are we on? Are we, are we a person who lives for ourselves? It's easy to do. And we're, we're living in a day and age that caters to that kind of mentality. And uh, we can make all kinds of excuses, but the bottom line is, if the love of Christ constrains us, if the love of Christ motivates us, if that's what's urging us, then we'll fall on the right side and we'll live for you. If that doesn't, if that's not in our hearts and minds, if we don't spend time thinking about how good you've been to us and how much of a sacrifice you made for us and how much you love us, then we won't fall on that side. We'll live for ourselves. God, I pray that you'd help us to, during this Christmas season, to see the sacrifice that you made. And not, not just on Calvary's cross, although it's obvious that was so necessary to make the payment for our sins, but Father, it started by you leaving heaven and coming down here and being born in Bethlehem born of a, of a virgin, 
born into a constraining human flesh body. You did all that so you could one day become our perfect sacrifice for sin. Lord, uh, when we see that, we see just... uh, we see just how selfish we can be. We see just sometimes how little we love you. The reason why we love you is because you loved us first. God, I pray that you'd help us to get a hold of the importance of the love of Christ constraining us on a day-to-day basis. Father, uh, bless this invitation. May you, may you work in our hearts. And help us to decide to, to live for you and be not, be not the, the type that lives unto themselves, but lives for you because the love of Christ constrains us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.